Did you see any white people in there waiting an hour and 32 minutes for a plate of spaghetti? Huh? And how many cups of coffee did we get? You don't drink coffee, and I didn't want any. Man, that woman in there poured cup after cup to every single white person around us. But did she even ask you if you wanted any? We didn't get any coffee that you didn't want and I didn't order. And that's evidence of racial discrimination. Did you notice that our waitress was black? And black women don't think in stereotypes? You tell me something, man. When was the last time you met one who didn't think she knew everything about your little lazy ass before you even opened your mouth? Huh? That waitress sized us up in two seconds. We're black and black people don't tip. So she wasn't going to waste her time? Now, somebody like that, nothing you could do to change their mind. So, uh, how much is you leaving? You expect me to pay for that kind of service? <laughs> what? What the fuck is you laughing at, man? I'm seriously starting to think that you're jealous of Karen. Hardly. I'd just like to see you get through a meal without calling her or anyone else for that matter. Okay, look, no more phone calls tonight. Right. As a matter of fact, here, you can hold the battery, okay? Ten bucks says she calls me in the car. Wait, 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 wait. You see what that woman just did? You see that? Like, she's cold. She got colder as soon as she saw us, though. Oh, man, come on, don't, don't stop. Man, look around you, man. You couldn't find a whiter, safer, or better lit part of this city right now. But yet this white woman sees two black guys who look like UCLA students strolling down the sidewalk, and her reaction is blind fear? I mean, look at us, dog. Are we dressed like gangbangers? Huh? No. Do we look threatening? No. Fact, if anybody should be scared around here, it's us. We're the only two black faces surrounded by a sea of over-caffeinated white people patrolled by the trigger-happy LAPD. So you tell me, why aren't we scared? Because we got guns? You could be right. Get the fuck out of the car! Give me the keys! Traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. There's always a lot to discuss, people. Uh, actually, you know, I've said this 
so many times, you know, we have these topics ready to go, and then within 24 hours or less, something else comes up that I really didn't advertise, but we're going to talk about it as well. There's a few things. Um, we're going to talk about what appears to be, what appears to be the dismissal of Bill O'Reilly, Fox News correspondent of the O'Reilly factor that he may be losing his gig, a eight-figure dude, <laughs> uh, his gig with Fox. And I think it's just a matter of uh, of a snowball effect in his case. I think that the really disrespectful tone, the 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 not even any not even humorous, but really kind of a, a vituperative situation that he had with Congresswoman Maxine Waters. I think that just kind of got the ball rolling. Don't talk about a black woman's hair. Just as a, just a, a word of advice. I think Tyrese Gibson might have gotten that same message, but even if some of what's going on is truthful, <laughs> I just think you just can't talk about you just, you just can't talk about certain things. But we will get into it, people. We will get into it. Um, so you know the drill. The call-in number remains the same, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. We are approaching the one-year anniversary of perhaps the greatest musician the world has ever known, at least in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I see that our Q-Storm is in the house of the infamous Red Shirts and also doing double duty with podcast Jews. And I suspect he would agree with my assertion. Uh, more things are still coming out. I, I'll, get in, I'll get into a little bit of a Prince discussion because I find it fascinating that, as I suspected, people really miss this guy. Now, for, for yours truly, that's obvious. I, I'm, I'm unabashed. I'm a bashed stan of uh, Prince Rogers Nelson. But for those who may vaguely know of this gentleman's talent or maybe took it for granted. I see, I see or I think that Prince is getting more adulation than the alleged king of pop. Not that there really should have, should have ever been this kind of Michael Jackson versus Prince thing. I just think they're just two different, two different entertainers, two different musicians. I think one is an entertainer, another is a musician. That's just my opinion. Anyway, I'll get into that. Uh, so we're approaching the anniversary of his demise, unfortunately. Still still hard. I'm st- I think I'm still mourning a year later. Isn't that something? Uh, and he has a new EP that's available on iTunes called Deliverance. So let's play a little of Deliverance, at least that cut that's available. And then we will do what we always do. This is Prince Rogers Nelson, Deliverance. Let's groove. This is not religion, 
from the grave. Wow. That is his royal badness. Uh, posthumously, his royal badness. That is deliverance from the eponymous EP deliverance. And this is, if you haven't guessed it, Africa Radio featuring Captain Kirk, the midweek in review edition. Speaking of the captain, the captain is sorely needed on Rigel 25.3 divided by 16. <laughs> Captain, you're needed on the bridge off of Rigel, what I just said. Let's get to it, sir. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Let's begin, Seraphoner. All right. Uh, wow, just a lot to get into, Captain. Um, uh, right before the broadcast, you mentioned uh, I should give a little bit of information on little Willie Adams, who was a uh, well-known local businessman, uh, ne'er-do-well, and I say that in quotes somewhat, uh, from the Baltimore region, um, local to Baltimore, to the DMV. I'll get to that, I'll get, get to that sometime. Um, before the end of the show, definitely. But I want to just kind of uh, speak extemporaneously for a few moments, and then we'll get into the meat when we talk about uh, the Cleveland killer, Steve Stevens. we got to talk about him. Um, and, of course, uh, Bill O'Reilly's employment status. We'll have to talk about that. But I do want to just 
again, riff on his royal badness briefly. Just something I noticed. Uh, free, feel free to, to chime on in. Um, the Oracle, tangential producer of the show. You know how the tagline goes, ladies and gentlemen, after all this time. Uh, my father, I, I remember him saying something to me, uh, I don't know, so, when I was a child, a long time ago. Maybe it's something that's repeated even to this day. And I never forgot it. Uh, he, he said that, um, and I think he might have even related it. So it's a repeated message, but I think he might have actually related it to Prince before his death. But uh, he was also a Prince supporter. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that just from the last cut that I played, Prince was a real artist, a real heavyweight. And my father uh, raised me with, with a, a, a great love of music especially blues music. I mean, I was literally raised on blues, jazz, and funk. Um, so it's very easy to kind of go, use that as a basis, um, jazz rock fusion especially. It's, it's very easy to use that as a basis to kind of go forward and listen to other, other types of music. So I can listen to classical and understand it. I can listen to classic rock and understand it. So uh, I, have a, I have a deep appreciation for, mu- appreciation for music. But the Oracle had said that sometimes people who do certain things at a certain level are not necessarily going to be recognized until it's too late. Or rather, um, I think even I think especially relating to Prince, the Prince Michael Jackson thing. Michael Jackson received so much of the accolades, and he was always the go-to person, especially during the 80s, when both these two gentlemen coexisted. And even I was able to recognize that, okay, Prince was certainly the more talented of the two. I mean, if you, just, if you just, I'm speaking objectively as far as someone who can write, uh, produce. I mean, you, his, his tagline on his albums was this was uh, arranged, written, produced, all these different uh, descriptors for Prince. You, you very rarely saw one person being able to do that. I mean, that's like a hallmark unto itself to see one person much talent and it, that was a common thing i i know q can relate to this if you picked up a a cd or or you know now i'm dating myself an album you would see the, the, that he was a true consummate pardon me a true polymath all these things michael jackson wasn't in that same realm but many people the public has a tendency to go for very surface-level things. That's essentially what my father's message was, is that, unfortunately, the public is very comfortable in dealing with things on a surface level. And then when the smoke clears and when it's practically too late, years later, when a person's in the grave, that's when you get it. That's when you get it. And I'm, I'm seeing... Just the fact that, you know, there's a, a year anniversary after this man's death, and he's being talked about, and they're, they're trying to figure out things to do, and uh, different productions, different events. Uh, what happened to Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson kind of went down in infamy, unfortunately. Um, I said this on the show. I, was, I wasn't the biggest Michael Jackson fan. I mean, I like some of his stuff, so... But not a complete fan. Maybe, maybe 
Michael Jackson as a youth, I was probably more of a fan. As far as what he, what he did with the Jackson 5, his brothers and that kind of thing. The weirdness is a little too much for me. Anyway, um, but in spite of that, you would think that Neverland Ranch would be analogous to Graceland. Not the case. It's a desolate area. I believe that the I forgot the the actual location of um of uh, Neverland Ranch. It'll come to me in a minute. I'll just simply look at it. But the neighbors are you know this is a very high priced um, area, and his neighbors are not willing to to allow that historical piece of land to remain a tourist. I mean I I don't know if it's actually uh, if it, if, there's, if there's an ability from a municipality way to actually have it as a as a um, landmark or some kind of tourist attraction, but what makes his living situation as a museum any different than Elvis Presley? So that legacy is gone for the most part. It's just gone, and it's it's. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, but Prince was the real guy to me. And I think a lot of people, when the smoke clears, have figured out that this guy was a, was a real, real talent who could produce for other people. So we didn't see Michael Jackson. I know he did Muscles for Diana Ross, but I'm talking about somebody who could sit down at a piano and actually map out and construct a song and tailor it for the most part for that person. That takes a certain talent uh, to do soundtracks. I mean, this is a, this is, this is it's not an easy thing to do and to be able to do it at a high level. So uh, this is my opinion, but I just found it very interesting that now, as I thought in the back of my head, people are going to figure out, even when he was alive, I had said, people are going to figure out when it's too late that, wow, this guy was the real deal. And there are other things like that as well. I think Barack Obama, I think he's getting, his, he, he's getting some accolades now, many years out probably more, but because of the debacle that we see with our present administration, lying, lying about where our warships are. I mean, just all kinds of just effery really you know really uh, a poor sense of communication not really being the best communicator i mean just a really objectively objectively take away the political bench left or right objectively just a, just a poor representation for the for the united states and what you had preceding that was a class act and i suspect that barack obama will get his due but it takes a death, not hopefully not in his case, but a death or some kind of debacle with what we see now for people to say, hey, that guy was really something else. Anyway, um, Cap, any thoughts? And then we'll, we'll, we'll move forward. I think we should get into uh, – I think we should talk about Steve Stevens, and then we'll move forward. It's real easy, all right? The American black is a Eurocentric black. So they're derivative of the prime euro, which is white people. So the prime euro decides what's really relevant in the long period of time. 
That's why you that's why you have it there. It's not like more or less that we're deciding. We're really not. That's why you see a lot of these things fade out. And the Eurocentric companies have their music out in your face that it's all nicey nicey. Yes, we know there's worship once someone dies and everything else. Hence the Paul Walker effect. <coughs> Fast and furious, by the way, in case you don't know who Paul Walker is. So once the Eurocentric society at the top decides what's relevant and what's not relevant, that's the way it goes. You understand? Hence, Elvis is relevant from their standpoint. Hence, a lot of these rock, rock groups, after they retire, are relevant, even if you keep it going, black person. And what do you do a lot of times as the Eurocentric black, the derivative of the euro? You follow your higher euro aspect. You let them decide and dictate what should be relevant for you. Most of you, not all. Most of you, not all. Most of you, not all. So hence you have a society like this. It's what they decide. They decide it, that's where it's going to be relevant. That's it. Not you deciding anything. You just follow trend. You want to be down. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Back over to you, Afrobird. I, uh, I would agree with that, actually. I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's get into Steve Stevens. Uh, I'm pretty sure our listening audience knows about this case. If you, if you haven't, uh, if, if you're not aware of this, you must be literally living under a rock. Just a complete, complete horror show. Um, let me pay, play this clip, and then we will expound in our own way. Uh, I, I will tell you, I, I was really, really affected by this thing. I did something I should not have done, is I actually clicked on the video of the, the uh, elder gentleman's demise. I don't know why I did it, maybe because I didn't believe it. Uh, you know, just the circumstances were just completely, completely absurd, um, completely horrific. And when I saw it uh, on video, I, I, I think I, well, I didn't call Captain. I think I called his predecessor, um, Iron Man. And, um, you know, when you, when you see something like that, you think of your, your friends, your parents, you know, uh, el- older or not. The randomness of that person's act, uh, just it, it really is it's madness to the to the listening audience. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. Anyway, let me play this clip. I think this is when the manhunt was still ongoing for Stevens. Now he you know he took himself out. Why he couldn't do that before he killed this gentleman who he did not know, who he picked up picked up randomly. It's um, something else. Anyway, hold on. I'll play a couple of minutes and then we will expound. Steve Stevens. I know you are in pain, but brother, you got to turn yourself in because you've already hurt other people. That's one of the mega stock five attorney brothers, a suspected killer Steve Stevens, pleading for him to turn himself in as a nationwide manhunt continues with possible sightings as far away as Philadelphia. None of the tips have led to an arrest so far. Authorities say Stevens shot and killed 74-year-old Robert Godwin Sr. as he walked in a Cleveland, Ohio neighborhood on Easter Sunday, and he streamed it live on Facebook. In the video, Stevens says his motives involved an ex-girlfriend, and he bragged that he killed multiple others, but police have not been able to back up those claims. Cleveland's mayor has upped the reward in hopes of finding Stevens before he takes another life. 
there is an award of up to $50,000 for the arrest of Mr. Steve Stevens. Comes, the money comes from the FBI, ATF, and the Marshal Service. Stevens was last seen driving a white Ford Fusion with Ohio temporary license plate E363630. Again, a white Ford Fusion license plate E363630. Now, meanwhile, family and friends of Godwin gathered at the exact spot where he lost his life. His two youngest children and their mother were waiting at home for Godwin to return from a quick trip to find aluminum cans. He just don't know what he took from us. He just don't know. I'm just so hurt right now because that was my rock. He he was always there for me and my kids no matter what. Like he, he there's nothing he wouldn't do for me. Nothing. Joining me on FaceTime from Cleveland, Ohio is Kenneth Miller president of the Cleveland edition of the Call and Post newspaper. Uh, first and foremost, um, the, the neighborhood where this took place, um, do we know if Stevens lived there or was he simply driving through? No, I don't believe that. What we know is that he doesn't live there, but he was driving through. And I had just come home from church. I was in between barbecuing and watching some NBA basketball games. And for some odd reason, I just went to a channel that had the news on and they were dialed in to this unspeakable tragedy that has just paralyzed Northeast Ohio and greater parts of the nation. I'm not from Cleveland, Ohio, I'm from Los Angeles. And I received a slew of phone calls from people asking me if I was okay and, and this sort of thing. So when these types of tragedies happen, the impact, uh, it, the impact just reaches so many different uh, people in so many different aspects of their lives. And um, I'm just at a loss for words. This is an unspeakable tragedy that has paralyzed the nation and resonated throughout the world. Now, we heard the mayor earlier talk about there being a reward. Yesterday, the police chief said they made contact with Stevens? Yes, uh, I do believe that they've had some, some, some telephone conversations with him. That too is puzzling, uh, Roland, because any cell phone anywhere, no matter where you get it from, can be tracked. Uh, and if they're having any kind of phone conversations with him, if they're speaking with him, why are they not tracking his whereabouts? Uh, you said that this is a five-state, maybe nationwide search. Uh, there are many people here in Cleveland who believe all right, you get the gist, folks. I, I, you know, that was a somewhat, I mean, <laughs> the way this thing went down, it, it went down for a few days, but everyone knows that um, Mr. Stevens, um, the murderer Stevens, I don't really want to give him any respect, that he killed himself after being found out from um, driving around in Pennsylvania in uh, McDonald's. And uh, hopefully the young lady that was able to peep out who who he was, because he couldn't resist fries 
and McNuggets, she gets that $50,000 um, reward for, for her, her uh, assistance in getting this, this person off the streets. Um, again, uh, I, I have a lot to say, but I don't always want to be the person you know, taking lead on everything. So, Captain, um, feel free to give you our thoughts, give our audience your thoughts, and you know, I'll come in thereafter. What are your impressions of this whole this maddening situation? And also to our audience, the number, you know, our lines are open, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. You're welcome to come in with your, your um, perception of what went down. Anyway, Captain, the floor is yours. Well, I really don't have too much to say. I think this situation is self, self-explanatory. He, uh, he was going through it for whatever various reasons. And he snapped. You have people like this walking around every day with no real, with, without any. Well, a lot of times, you know, they have medical problems before. That you do know, if we're being totally honest. But I don't think that's the case here. You do have people that just go off the rails. You do have that here in America. Yes. And that was a situation here. No one saw this coming. A lot of times when you have these situations, you see this person was taking medication, you know, and people weren't really taking it serious and things of that nature. There's a run-up, there's a lead-up, but that doesn't seem like that's the case here, you know? It doesn't seem like that's the case here. Regular day-in, day-out problems, man and woman situation, job problems, and he snapped. You know, that's what I see here. Back to you, Afro-Nerd. All right. I thank our friend from uh, from Philly. Uh, but he's all over the place. He's he's even in our tri-state on occasion um, for business. This is Q Storm from the Red Shirt, and uh, of course, Podcast Juice. Q, what's up, man? Yes. How are things? Hey. Good. Hey, good. Is, so yeah. yeah. When is that Red Shirts episode with our own Claire Lene going to be available? It is available. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you as I'm posting it up all over the interwebs right now. Okay. <laughs> Certainly. I'm going to put it up on Twitter in a few minutes, but um, just wanted to, I'm not, I don't have a lot to say. Um, as you know, or as any you know, people who know me might know, as of this year, as of certain political um, events that turned around last year, I who prom, who mostly was totally against uh, guns and firearms, uh, I have. I've changed 180 degrees on that. But let me back up. I used to be someone who never believed in touching a gun. I wanted all guns gone, or I wanted you know sensible gun control, which I still do. But uh, I was not a gun. I was not someone who liked guns, even the concept of guns, um, because of incidents like this. And then you know it took maybe you know given the, the turmoil that was happening with the last election and some of the things I was seeing and some of the hate crimes I was seeing, uh, I decided, you know what, let me reexamine that. And now I am whole part and parcel, um, an enthusiast, if you will. But so I can look at this now and say, yeah, this is why I have a license to carry. And this is why I feel like 
I'm not an NRA. I don't support the NRA because I think they are, I think they're a little bit uh, far right. But I understand where they're coming from now because people like this make legal, responsible gun owners give them a bad name. I wasn't there before, but I'm completely there now. And it's, I mean, it's disgusting for so many different reasons. But And it speaks to you, what you're saying. We go, we go back and forth. Sometimes I give, sometimes I take. But the whole wimpification of of men out there say it's some black men. We're seeing more and more. We saw another guy shoot three people today uh, on the news. Um, so uh, the wimpification and I can't the peification. Let's put it that way. I can't say the word mm-hmm. of men who cannot handle what's going on around them. You saw that with Aaron Hernandez today. Uh, well, you know what? Let me let me stop you for a minute, and I want you to, and I want you to expound because I want to stay on this for a minute. You're going in a direction exactly where I wanted to go, uh, and it's funny you you brought Mr. Hernandez because I see the same kind of thing, and I think there's that unfortunately, unfortunately, somewhat of a millennial connection with this with this inability to deal, inability to uh, brush certain things off, understand that life has difficulties and some of what they perceive to be difficult really isn't all that i mean there's people who are dealing with absolute adversity uh i've been in in gyms uh not the gym that uh, myself and the captain uh go to but as when i was a uh, bally member i remember seeing a gentleman that was coming and he came in quite frequently and he was a burn victim and he showed his face and I used to say, wow, that guy is incredible. <laughs> I used to say he is something. Um, he is living. He's li- he has a life. He's still, he's still able to find a life. So if a person, if you, can, if you can't make it and you're, not, and you're not maimed and you have, you know, everything is kind of functioning, what do you, all you can do is go up. But this gentleman, um, you know, I guess the, the oracle would probably say that, you know his his burns are in the inside. Maybe that's a way of looking at it. Also, I, even uh, even uh, Mr. Starks, who also was under the tutelage of my father, he brought it to, he brought it up to me uh, yesterday. We spoke, and he said that this guy and even even his mother, who he referenced, Stevens referenced that he went to his mother for for advice or trying to make some kind of some kind of connection and friends, but especially his mother. And she recoiled. She didn't really comply to what he needed. And he told me, well, she can't do that. And that's something my father would say. So I have to, sometimes I have to capitulate that. He, he was unable to, to make these connections. And when he went to his mother for assistance, she couldn't, she couldn't do it. She was incapable of doing it. So it's, it's a hard road. But I just know that I regret having seen that that video because when you see an, an older gentleman who really didn't know what was going on, I mean, no one would have known what was going on. Uh, he just, as soon as the guy asking for directions, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he's minding his own business and now he's erased. He's off the board for no real damn reason. And I, all I could think of is if it was uh, my father or my mother or any of my friends or associates that I, where you just got caught off guard like that, it's a, it's a, you, 
it makes you go insane almost. You can't explain that. And part of it, what you said, Q, was I, I do believe there's a strain of emasculization, if I say that correctly, um, that's being promoted. And I've been talking about this for a long time. I don't want to go into some of the issues I've had with other bloggers and other people, but when I talk a certain way, people – you've been in my company, Q, um, you know, when we've gone to conventions and what have you, and when I go into a certain rant, there's an agenda that feels threatened by this rant, and they may perceive what I say as toxic masculinity. I don't, I don't, think, I'm, I don't think I'm a toxic masculine guy. I'm just talking about just traditional masculine-ish. That that is that requires men, especially black men, to to take care of their children, to pay their bills, to be functioning adults. And now I think there's a there's kind of a uh, there's kind of a, a miscommunication with what is toxic and what is functional. And we need men, really men of all stripes, because I can I can deracialize this, Q. I can deracialize this and say, you know what? That guy that brought it to another older gentleman in New York City who was white and, and, and stabbed him in pretty much the same manner, he blamed black men for all of his inadequacies. So if you deconstruct some of this stuff, which is what I've, I've been having to do, this man was killed tragically in New York City. Uh, not that much, not that many miles from where I'm broadcasting right now, and we had to call that a hate crime. I don't even want, I don't even want the, I want to dismantle the term hate crime because I don't know anyone that kills you who likes you. <laughs> so, uh, what make, what absolutely makes this narrative with Stevens, with another older black man minding his damn business, with the man with the lighter pigment doing it? There really isn't any difference. There really isn't. But I will say it's coincidental, maybe, that you have two millennial, two millennials, grown men who can't, who could not cope, and they're just picking people like it's a lotto. Not themselves, but other people are to blame for their for their foibles. And I'm sick of it. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we cannot talk cogently about what is absolutely happening. Your impressions, Q. Am I off am I off the mark or hey, can I make that connection? Uh, listen. I uh I, I give you everything you said. Um you know, I, I, I stand behind you hundred percent in terms of how this society seems to be really co- coddling. What's the word on the coddling, uh enabling promoting promoting um i mean you look even in, even in our media in our in our movies and in our our tv i, I say this all the time you don't really see sh- strong men anymore the, the running joke in all our commercials is the guys typically weak stupid and oaf uh so yeah i i, I and I've I've gotten into it on Twitter with people where I simply say, you know, I'm I'm red shirts, man. I'm one of the red shirts. I'll say, you know, we need we need some more Kirks. We need some real old school Kirks, not this Chris Pine Kirk. And I get I get people 
SJW is talking about, oh, you don't know what, you can't handle what masculinity is today. So you're going to tell me what masculinity is? You know, <laughs> I, it's just amazing to me. Uh, you can't, you can't say that men need to be strong. Chris Rock said the best. Do you want a cookie? What do you want a cookie? You're not going to get a cookie. There's no cookies. No free cookies are given out here. We have to be men. Doesn't mean we can't we can't lean on people. We can't lean on our women, but we have to be strong. You know what I'm saying? We we need that. You don't see that anymore hardly. Can I interject something? Oh yeah, of course. Now, I said something about four years ago. All right. Now it might have been a bit convoluted, so I'm going to slow it down again. There's a guy called the captain that said based on a solitonic mass, the Muslim world, which is masculine observation, gets stronger. This side of the world, now you got Donald Trump, so something has switched, but this side of the world is feminine observation. What does that mean? If you look here, and you could ask Stephen A. Smith, he knows about feminine observation. You could ask, about, you could ask O'Reilly, he knows about feminine observation. The observer collapses the quantum wave function. That's ultimately why he got going. But <clears throat> here, the woman actually runs the mail here. Men are not running it. That's why the woman can kick you out of your house. That's why the woman can take half of your money. You are influenced by the woman. That's the reality of it. So now when the man, other than Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the only one super observer that's allowed to stick his chest out. Anybody else? They stick your chest out in a masculine way, you're shut down. You act out showing some of your male, two men square up in the street, and they just fight. You get arrested. You know? No one got hurt. No one's killing anybody. We have a beef. Let's do a little hands. I'm going to knock you down a couple of times, and that's it. We go on our way. No one's dead. I don't hate you. I dislike you. Hate you pull out a gun. You understand? You're not allowed to do any of that here. Not a lot to do. A woman can hit a man. She can act out violently. And a lot of times, sometimes she does get arrested. Sometimes she does. But a lot of times she's able to get away with it. And most of you men will let a woman hit you five times in your face. And you still will not give her a good one. And then if you decide to give her a good one after you got hit five times, most men, not all, most men, not all, oh, you don't hit a woman. Dude. You just got hit five times in the face. Come on. Why can't you defend yourself? You see? So this is what's happening here in this country. It's the feminine observation. It's not you, man. You go out and work, she take your money when she get ready. You get into an argument with her in the house, and she hits you a few times, you decide to push her off of you. Police come. Oh, what happened, ma'am? Oh, he hit me. See the mark right here? You go. She gets order of protection. You still paying the mortgage on your house. Feminine observation. This is something I said four and a half years ago. Now, or was it four years? Four years or four and a half. Now, it's just getting stronger and stronger. The only real masculine individual, whether you agree with them or not, we're not talking about the politics, you know, is Donald Trump. Hence, the women are constantly, because he's going against that. You men, you men always have, oh, she got nice hair. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And if she doesn't like it, it's harassment. You might not necessarily, from your standpoint, feel that it's harassment. You know? It's based on her observation. She tell you what harassment is. You might have just said hello. 
She didn't want that from you. You see, this is what you're dealing with here in this country. And that's what I was alluding to four years ago. It's right in the face. It's all in the mathematics, man. You understand? Donald Trump threw a little, little thing in there, a little spanner in the works. But, you know, other than that, that's what you're going to. And that's why I always say you men are not masculine. You're not. Everything's about the woman. It's not about you. And you're scared to do about you. Because you're scared your woman will kick you out of your house. That's the reality of it. That's the truth. I, can I, I can, I, can with, I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. I want, and I want to comment to uh, our friend John Hutton has some words in the chat room. Go ahead, Q. Okay, uh, 20 seconds. Uh, I have to disagree with Camp about one thing. He mentioned Trump a few times. I think Trump is the penultimate uh, icon of the wimpification of the male today because Trump is well, – he never takes responsibility. He can never be wrong. He always blames people when something goes wrong. He always takes credit when things go right. And he's always pointing the finger and never owning up to anything. That's the definition of a man who's been wimpified, in, in, my, in my personal opinion. All right. You're allowed, to, you're, you're allowed to have your opinion. I say when you have power, you don't have to do any of that. That's what I say. You understand? But you're allowed to have that opinion. You understand? Just, just like a man in his house. He doesn't have to really do any of that. He can say, I smoke a cigarette. I tell you not to smoke a cigarette. But you're allowed to have that opinion. You understand? You're allowed. So we disagree uh, on that, but that's all right. Quickly, uh, John, our friend John Hutton, stalwart supporter from the left coast as well. Uh, he, it's a couple, of, a couple of things he says. He says, um, for me, being responsible and taking care of kids, et cetera, is part of being moral, not masculine. Uh, society has drummed out the idea of building character. Um, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of the man horse Kirk and Spock were, uh, just saying there's got to be a means between the extremes. Um, well, a couple of things on that. First of all, I think with the diminishment of of fatherhood as an institution in the Americas. I think that I, I think that the morality part of it is intertwined with the masculine part of it. We're, right now, we, you know, we're kind of trying to Agreed. slice. We're trying to we're trying to really be a little bit more um, polite. But there is such a thing as masculine energy. Like no one no one would ever discount the 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 meaning and importance of femininity. But to balance that out, you have to have masculinity. And now what is happening, and we can define masculinity in different ways. I know Q might feel differently. But I do believe, even if you, want to, if you want to parse out masculinity, and everybody has their own interpretation, but I think there's a place, just a place, not necessarily a hierarchy, but a place for traditional masculinity. And I, and I, and I think it's separate from toxic masculinity. My thing is, it seems like there is a conflation between toxic masculinity and um, toxic masculinity and traditional masculinity. When when the Captain America movie came out, you saw some of these SJWs talking about how offensive the Captain America movie was, and a lot of it had to do with him just being a man. <laughs> just man is like just being a man. I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, okay. It was crazy. So you, you're, you're talking about people who clearly have an agenda to dismantle traditional masculinity. 
when they when you have people who said that they thought that there should be a this is nerd talk a shippiness shippiness between Bucky and Cap, I said, come on now, that's not that story. That's not that story. So, they'll tell you, they'll tell you, you can't decide what is traditional Afro. I mean, I was about to say Afrodonism because it actually is traditional masculinity. It is the same. You're yeah. right. You're right. And, and <laughs> see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let loose. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let loose on, go ahead. on some people. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you <laughs> look? The way this this person spoke, I'm talking about Steve Stevens. Let's go back to Steve Stevens. The way he spoke to the camera, the way he was emoting. I'm not saying you can't be emotional and you can't kind of work things out. Uh, we've all had women that might have left us or we had problems with them, but you brush yourself off, you figure it out, and you move along. Matter of fact, the best thing, they always say the best revenge is success. But this this man was not able to figure this stuff out. He wasn't able to figure it out, unfortunately. But but I also had to think about there's so many cultural cues that are going on right now that are very dangerous for men and men of color specifically. I mean dangerous. And the fact that he couldn't he couldn't piece this he couldn't piece this puzzle together. The cultural cues. When you think of this is going to this is going to go into uh, something I actually put as a topic to discuss. It might be an ad nauseum topic, but uh, it's something that's in my brain, so I have to get it out. We know the mighty Miles Davis had the birth of cool. I say there's a death of cool. And I was talking to again your predecessor, and I talked to the Oracle, and and we all agreed that there was things. My father was was. What was part of the cool period? He was he was he knows what cool is, has seen it up close. I got a a, par, a parcel of it. We all got a parcel of it, based based on being Generation X's and Generation Y's. But the millennials thereafter, then they're literally, literally not seeing cool, and that's a problem. Not being able to see cool cool means. First of all, Cool has actually an African, I said this before, Cool actually has, the concept, the concept of Cool actually has African roots. Just the way, it, in the lexicon, how it came about, jazz, uh, the beatniks, all that stuff comes out from an, the African tradition. And then it, 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 it went out further. Okay, so now we, the general public has an idea of Cool. James Bond was Cool. Bruce Lee was cool. Malcolm X was cool. Jim Brown was cool. Is cool. Okay, so I'm just thinking, what is it that's bothering me uh, in comparison to what some of these younger people are, are, are looking at? In, to, in, the, in today's marketplace, can you actually name Cool points of interest for the millennials. I can go through 50 people as far as masculinity. Hell, Prince was cool. He spoke in a cool way. 
I mean, even if you want to, even if, if you want to interpret how his masculinity, you can do that. But you can, uh, the thin white Duke, David Bowie was cool. I mean, at least your, at least your yeah, demeanor true. was cool. At least that's your true. demeanor, at least your demeanor was cool. Robert Palmer, as a rock star, oh, you know yeah. how he used to dress in a, That was a cool guy, man. That was a cool yeah. guy. Now, now let's go to the, let's fast forward into the future. You got Young Thug. <laughs> you, you have uh, well, I mean, yeah. Listen, I, I'm I like Justin Timberlake, but I wouldn't perceive him as a cool guy. He's not confident, not really. He's talented. I'm going in. I'm going, I'm going across race now. I'm just some just there's people out there publicly as far as you, as you would consider to be cool. Uh, Kanye West certainly not cute. Cool. I mean, I could go through a whole litany of people. They just don't represent cool. That even if you're, if, if you need to have masculine energy at least to figure this out. What about Jay Z? He's part of our generation. And, uh, because he, he's at the tail end of it, he barely makes it. Okay. Like, All right, at, least, at least you, okay. Okay. All right. He barely you makes it. Go ahead. Because let, let me tell you. <laughs> Cause I know what cool is. I'm not saying I'm not even saying I'm cool, but I've seen it. I got an idea. I'm a nerd, okay? Barack Obama still uh, of that generation, but he was called the cool president. The way he walked, walked the way he spoke. Okay, now if you go into the hip hop, early hip hop, Big Daddy Kane, rock yes. him. Okay, yes. personalities. You yes. never saw these guys like have a kind of off situation going on. Denzel Washington. Yes. Real cool. <laughs> I mean, just cool. Just just cool. I had cool around. That's all I saw was cool. That's, uh, John Hutton says Run DMC. The way they dress, they, they yes. never saw us. They were always cool. As far as, like, demeanor, handling problems, and, and now if your parents aren't cool, if your uncle isn't cool, uh, if you don't have a cool, uh, some cool masculine image to go to, there's different tier levels to it. Even now in your popular culture, this popular culture does not have a cool. No one. Everyone is whining. I mean, in your, your sports heroes, is anybody, Michael, Michael Jordan was cool. Michael Jordan was cool. Dr. J was cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it. Joe Namath was cool with the fur coat and yep. all that. I mean, I, this is this is why I am the way that I am. It, with, with, with the, and then we had comic books. All these characters had some kind of cool thing going on with them. Today's in today's marketplace, no such thing. Now, why not? And do you think it's a problem? Do you? How if you hear me? You know what they'll say, Afro nerd. I'm, I'm here. I, I, hey, <laughs> I'm just listening to the word. That's all. That's all I'm doing. I'm you just, know what I'm they'll just say, Afro nerd. I'm just telling by saying. But when, but when I say, well, I, she has been in my company. When I have said this, especially around the, the current feminists who will be unnamed, they looked at me like I was like I was a crazy person. And these women used to be very impressed and demanding of it. 
It is so bad now, they don't even know what to look for. How did, how, did this, how did this simp, this, this, this uh, Suge Knight lookalike, how did he even have a woman to begin with, with that kind of attitude? Come on, dude. He, he also, I, I got I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, he, he also really put the uh, fraternity uh, make himself fine a bad light, too. Oh. He, I mean, oh, was, yeah. wow. And he had those three brothers up there talking about, oh, that's not the brother that I know. That, y'all didn't know him, did you? <laughs> I mean, did, did this guy have a male role figure in his life? Did he have friendships? He he, he, he had all these man. brothers. He had this whole fraternity behind him. No one saw this. That's another problem, too, is that, unfortunately, you have a lot of black men being raised by women. And, and it's not he had the, a decent job. It's, and, and, it's, and it still wasn't good enough. You, you, gambling, yeah. confusion. You forget, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, this guy wasn't 40. He's closing, closing in on 40 and still, you know, still uh, underdeveloped. Not evolved. I mean, when when you see, I tell you why, I, how I, I I give Jay Z some credit, because when you saw uh, when you saw Kanye West, when you saw Kanye West, when you saw Kanye West emoting on stage and saying he didn't see my bait, my children, and like having a hissy fit, Jay Z didn't respond to that. You don't respond to stuff like that. I've been around a few men that acted that way around me. I don't give a response. And, 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 and uh, the captain knows me for that. If somebody does something a little off, I have no response for you. I, I, can't, I can't relate to you. I'm not going to talk to you. You see men on YouTube and on Twitter. Think about this, then we go to a group. On YouTube and Twitter and social media, you see men... Uh, millennials, let's say 20 plus, but I, I'm going to give the 20 year old a man title, but okay. 20 plus. These, these men are, are, are arguing with each other back and forth. Oh, who does that? I would never engage in a, with another man, barely a woman, but certainly not a man, like in some kind of actual, actual back and forth, hissy fit kind of thing. These men on YouTube relish, relish it. No one like does the cool thing and say, okay, I'm out of this. You have to opt out on an occasion. I can see a discussion. I have discussion with people online and disagreements. I'm talking about actual, like, you know, calling you names and it, I guess weird thing. Back up, like women, because they were raised by women. That's a problem. And this is not to, to, to discount or discredit female energy. But and, it, and there's a place for that, but but men have to have their thing. There's, there's a thing for there's a place for masculine energy, and now we're seeing it's constantly being depleted, discouraged. I mean, you got your Odell Odell Beckham's. Look what these guys look like. That's I mean that's it. That's it. Anyway, I feel sorry for this 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 elder gentleman, uh, Robert Godwin. Um, just, just he didn't deserve it. No one deserved that. But uh, unless we, unless we wrestle, what's going on culturally? I mean, really figure out 
how to get a certain message out, do some reverse engineering. I mean, there's some things that can be done. But is there's always going to be this battle with, with this agenda where there's a problem with, with kind of letting men uh, figure this out and actually re- rejuvenate the masculine perspective. Not toxic. I don't think we should be beating up women. But that, that's some sucker stuff, too. You know, be, being able to uh, problem solve. Problem solving is a very masculine thing. And, and, and that's what it really boils down to. These brothers are not able to solve any problems because they have masculine energy. I'm always, I'm, I, my mind is all about trying to figure ish out constantly. Anyway, Q. Hey, I was just going to say, you, you know, the same old tropes. It's, I guess religion nowadays is, is, is an enabling tool because you see the family. God bless them. I don't want to come off the wrong way, but you say it first thing they say when they get on camera is we forgive him. Nah, man. Uh, we got to stop forgiving minstrelsy. We, and, 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 and we got to stop forgiving uh, emasculized men. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's got to stop, man. We, we can't have a place for this. And it seems to be, uh, unfortunately, with black people, black and brown, but I say black specifically, we are always the canary in the coal mine. When they want to start doing some kind of experimental-ish, some kind of experimental programming, when they want to, want to uh, pursue an agenda, it usually has to come with a black face. And that's what's happening now. That is what's happening, I'm, and I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, the, the happy Father's Day mom cards, that's got to stop. Now, no one is putting their foot down, but fatherhood is an institution unto itself. You're seeing women, in order to appease their male children, wearing uh, for fathers or, or some kind of father, like uh, where there's a need for a father to be involved in some function. We're seeing some women cross racially now because you know what happened with uh, with with, with uh, the '60s and and um, where black black you know we start seeing the the out of wedlock births and that kind of thing. Um, now we're starting to see those, those numbers repeat themselves 50 years later with white people. So we're, I've seen white single mothers when there's a, a need for a father function, of, 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 you know, for a father to be there, and he's not. The mother will, it thinks it's cute to dress like the man for the day to, to, to appease the male kid, the male child. So instead of having an uncle, a grandfather, someone come in. I'm going to be the I'm going to be the man, but you're a man that doesn't have a unit. I'm just saying, really, you don't have a unit. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. The, the fatherhood is a specific institution, just like motherhood is a specific institution. Why isn't fatherhood being respected? Anyway, <laughs> you can tell I'm on a tear tonight. Let's go to a quick groove. We'll come back. Um, I may stay on this this death of cool thing as it relates to uh, Bill O'Reilly because I got a connection to make with him as well. Anyway, this is Amp Fiddler. Amp Fiddler, I think Amp Fiddler was a um, or is maybe a background player with Funkadelic, if I'm not mistaken. He definitely has, he definitely has roots with them. Anyway, this is Funk is here to stay, especially at Afternoon Radio. Let's groove. Bye. Uh-huh. 
It's the midweek, folks. Once again, Amp Fiddler Funk is here to stay, and it is. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Before the break, we were talking about masculinity and making that tie-in with the this murderous, animalistic person who's no longer breathing, fortunately, um, Steve Stevens, who killed this poor gentleman for no damn reason. And as I be- believe, I, don't think we sh- I think we should really stop using the term hate crime. Because what he did really is no different than the white gentleman, and I say gentleman in quotes, who stabbed uh, the, the, the black gentleman in Manhattan. You know, an older, older statesman minding his own business. I mean, can we stop killing old black men? <laughs> older black men, I only like the term old black men. Older black men, can we stop doing that? Black man, white man, can we stop doing that? Millennials? I mean, you know, everyone wants to have this whole thing about a specific agenda and the reason. I don't give a damn about the reason. The reason is irrelevant. I just know what I saw. I saw this man get killed in that video. And it looked to be pretty much the same way as in all the other types of deaths that are occurring. But we need to have – the reason has to be different. The reason, the reason, counts, for, the reason counts for some reason. Absolutely. I don't think so. You yes. know what they'll say after that? They'll say you're conflating issues. <laughs> they'll say it after that. They'll say it. Not to say that you care, but they'll say, let's get to the next caller. <laughs> uh, okay, let me bring back um, our friend Q. Let him sit in for another segment. And then our friends from Chi-Town, who uh, I- I'm pretty sure. Anytime we talk about this masculine stuff, I think it gets uh, Sergio's blood flowing. Uh, <laughs> you know, Serge, what's up, man? What's, what's going on? Um, just a few things. Uh, I want to actually sure. go into another topic. Number one. Glad for the shout out for Robert Palmer. I was just oh, literally man. day before yesterday watching some old old his some of his old music videos. Mm-hmm. Died too young, but I just loved his music. I loved his style, and then later when he went to a power station, mm-hmm. and always immaculately dressed, really the essence of cool. You know, he's just I just really liked his music a lot. Um, Number two, in terms of masculinity, well, I just recently just wrote a piece again for Shadow and Act uh, talking about it, a film, uh, Three the Hard Way, a movie that uh. was considered, <laughs> a, a movie that was considered maybe laughable when it came out. It, you, people ain't laughing if it came out today. It seems all too real. About three black guys who discover a plan to kill a white supremacist group who plans to kill all the black people in the United States. Here's the problem. Try to remake that movie today. You couldn't. You have to go overseas. You can't. <laughs> yeah, you have, unfortunately, you have to go to England. You have to get Idris Elba, Edmund Walker. You know, you have to go overseas, right? If you try to do a, a movie like that here with who? Um, uh, Kevin Hart? Forget it. We'll all be no. dead. <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh, man. You guys are dead, People like that. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it, is it uh, Kevin Hart three. like? Is it Kevin Hart like three foot five anyway? Okay. Yeah, yeah I've met him. He's he's like five four. You know. You know. It's just. On a good anyway, day. Anyway. <laughs> on a good day, right? I yeah. thought you were going to get into the Yvette Carroll situation. 
Um, Cornell, right. Cornell, sorry, Yvette Cornell, because I saw her rant. I saw it. Mm-hmm. It's goes on for 90 minutes. I, yeah. I think she makes some valid points, but at the same time, there's something about it that really bothered me. Well, you about know, hold what on. she said. Oh, hold on. Let okay. me back that up because we're going going ahead of ourselves. But since you brought oh, okay. it up, but since you brought it up, let me expound on it. And we can go into that. We can do a free for all. Yeah, explain in detail. Right. All right. Yvette Carnell, uh, who I actually like a little bit. I know the captain thinks it's weird because this is where he calls me a Eurocentric black <laughs> because she has kind of a southern drawl. And he would figure that, well, what, you, don't, you, don't really, you don't really jive too well with southerners, so to speak, even though I got southern blood. Anyway, uh, Yvette Carnell runs Breaking Brown. She also is under the tutelage of Dr. Boyce Watkins and his YouTube channel. So she goes into rants, uh, and I wish, she has, I wish that she gets a, a bigger audience. I think she is important. But like you said, I don't necessarily agree with everything. I contour and I contrast. Her, uh, her I beef, figured her out, though. I, I have figured well, me, her let me, out. Well, let me finish, okay. let me finish, up, let me finish what's, what's going on with what you're talking about. So Ms. Yeah. Carnell was a commentator, uh, she had some problems with this up-and-coming YouTube Nigerian, of Nigerian extraction commentator uh, who has her own YouTube channel. She's like a digital priestess, whatever you want to describe her. Uh, Lovey Ajayi, I think, is that, is that her name? Yeah, she, so, uh, she lives here in Chicago, actually. Right, she's from Chicago. She has a, she has a degree in some, something. And basically, she, she, she is – her claim to fame is commenting on scandal, some on the nignoggery that we talk about on this show, uh, whether it's scandal, some of the minstrel stuff, Real Housewives. So she's starting to, starting to make – starting to uh, be on the come up based on specifically Afri- African-American culture. And she came here at nine, and she's very much about to be in a Yoruba and all that kind of thing. Uh, so she so she said some things that were a little that were a little bit problematic about black people. And at the same time, Carnell's assertion, her critique is, well, you know, you are your claim to fame is kind of usurping black American culture without being a black American. That's part of her am I correct? That's part of her critique? Yes. Yes. So go go further. Well, um, first of all, she ha- she still has a website. She made her name from her website, which is absolutely lovey. And mm-hmm. it's been around for a couple years. And, right, she comments basically on um, black behavior, uh, pop culture. She writes all the time about scandal. I, I don't understand it. I You know, she got real popular. She just writes about scandal all the time. Um of and like I said, she's based here in Chicago. She's got this book out called "I'm Not Judging You." Uh, now she's got some kind of TV deal. I hear. Um, the, the the problem now. Now I had a problem. I I agreed with Eva Carnell, but there were some problems I had with her. I think she's right in some aspects with this lovey person because um, she, if you read her stuff, her articles. Uh, most of the time, she affects this pseudo-black urban dialect, mm. you know, which is almost like it kind of – if you've ever read um, um, 
Paul Lawrence Dunbar and how Paul Lawrence Dunbar in his poetry tried to affect phonetically black Southern speech. Well, that's what Lovey does. She tries to affect black urban speech in phonetics. And sometimes you got to read three or, t- three or three times what the hell she's talking about. You know, you got to say it up in your mind. Like she's trying to, in a way, she's mocking black people. Um, so that's one problem I have with her. Um, another problem I have is that, um, yeah, she, she's really, in a way, when you read her writing, she kind of looks at black people from a distance. Like, gosh, you know, aren't these black people here really odd? And the whole thing came, the whole thing started was because she posted, uh, Carnell, I'm sorry, Lovey posted a video in which she was asked about a certain Nigerian term that... Akata. Yeah, Akata, which they use for African Americans, which means wild animal. Mm -hmm. And she claimed that, one, she never used that word, yeah, right, and that, two, is used so much that it has lost its real meaning among Nigerians. It just now refers to African Americans when the word means wild animal. And... um, Cornell had a problem with that because um, she didn't believe her, that she hasn't used the word, and she believes that clearly um, Lovey, like a lot of Africans from various countries here in the United States, do have a superiority attitude towards African Americans. Now, the problem I have with what Carnell was saying, that stuff I agree with, what I have a problem with Carnell saying, is that she really went on a rant about Africans, um, African immigrants, claiming that they're taking everything from us, they're exploiting us, getting what we should be getting, and then separating us from us. And it was this rant that I feel that she just has a lot of issues. Um, Carnell does have a lot of issues. I think her problem is she needs to get laid. I think that's her problem. I think that's really really what it comes down to. Somebody needs to lay this woman back. I don't think she's had it in a long time, if ever. You can't say that, Sergio. Yeah. She's too angry. You know, come on, calm down, calm down, calm down. You know, as my friend said, let some steam out. Calm down, calm down. (laughs) Um, So, but, but I agree with what she says about loving, and I agree with what she says regarding not all but many African immigrants who are here in the United States to do feel a superiority um, of, uh, of, of above African Americans. I will tell you something. I, I was remember about two years ago, I was in London, I was talking to some, British, some black British uh, people, and I told them, I said, well, you know, a lot of African Americans feel that you people feel that you're superior to us. And they were shocked by that. They had, they had no idea. They had never heard of that. And I said, not all African Americans, but if, if you understand the history of African Americans, many of them feel that black immigrants, whether they're black British or from the Caribbean or from Africa, they look down on us and also at the same time take advantage of us, and particularly when it comes to dealing with white people because white people perceive them as being more docile, not as angry as African Americans. So that's, that was her whole thing. 
well, there was let a me, whole let me, ninety minute rant on let me, the channel. Let me add, let me add to that as well. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Paul Lawrence Dunbar because I also thought about Zora Neale Hurston. Also caught a little bit of that as well when she would go into kind of southern vernacular with her writings. And during the Harlem Renaissance, you know, you, you had some folks that that critiqued her for that. So I thought that was pretty interesting that you went went into that. Just just as an aside, um, but let me say this: uh, she again, I have to give some props to Carnell because she was able to deconstruct some things where I had to say, mm, that's a problem. Uh, again, you were right. Uh, she was talking about Lovey specifically, but then dovetailed it into this whole West African versus African-American thing. Um, Lovey, she mentioned a couple of things, a, lo- a couple of points of interest that Serge was very like, okay, this is a problem. Uh, allegedly, I believe that Lovey was asked about reparations, uh, basically taking the position why African-Americans shouldn't, why African-Americans don't deserve reparations. And this was, this was also, I think, sponsored by the NAACP. So when she said that, what she's saying is, okay, wait a minute. You have a person who doesn't have that history or connection to chattel slavery culturally talking about repar- not needing reparations as if you were African-American. So you know, you're speaking about it as if you are about it intimately, and you're not. And the NAACP co-signed on that. But because that, that's an example of her saying, okay, you know, these West Africans are coming in and usurping the African-American experience or, or, or uh, kind of engendering themselves to our tribe, as she put it. And when she, when she broke that down, hmm, that's a bit of a problem. And also the fact that Lovey had said that, well, where she comes from, she had, you know, doesn't, doesn't everyone have a driver? Has, has a, a cleaning woman? You know, she came from a different hierarchy in her culture, a different tribe, a whole different experience. Uh, and when coming over here, she was completely unfamiliar with the transatlantic slave trade and, and how that is right, a, a cultural – and how that's a cultural component to African-America. And even spouting off about the skin color variations and all that kind of thing – all the admic, and I know Carnell, who is fair complexed, but is but is very black, uh, very much a black American. Our tribe, our tribe comes in different variations because of our experience. That's what it means to be black. From Prince to Miles Davis, we're all black people. But from a Nigerian perspective, Nigerians don't know anything about admixture. Okay, you so hear the joke? not right. You want to hear right. the joke? And hey, let me interject this. Sixty-five million of Nigerians are illiterate. They can't even read to their children out of 190 million people. So you proper Negroes, all right? It's 190 million over there in Nigeria, by the way. So you proper Negroes argue among yourself. I'm the white guy in the room. I'll hang out over here. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, what you, well, what no, you said right. is very, what because, you, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sir, go ahead. No, because, because, because Lovey, I, I saw the video. Uh, where Lovey talks about this word, you know, and right, the one point she made, which really kind of ticked me off when she goes on, well, you know, when I came here, we knew nothing about slavery. I had no idea of slavery, and I know really, you know, what really what she's saying is that you people are weak. You know, I can't believe that you people allow these white people to take 
to take control over you. Oh, you know like how the British took control of, of Nigeria for God knows how many years, and there was a little thing called the Biafran War where half the country was slaughtered, you know. Um, so, But they put that snide little jab at, African, at us, African-Americans, that, well, you know, you people are – you allowed yourself to be treated this way and you didn't fight back and you know and how come all of you are so many different colors we're pure and you know i i know what she's inferring to i i know it you know um so yeah like i said carnell does have some valid points uh, I think it's too much, I, it's, but still it kind of smacked to me a little of jealousy, like, gee, I wish, like, we, I was as successful as her, you know. Well, let, um, let, me, say, let, let me say something here, because that's another, another reason why I, I uh, brought this topic up, because um, I, when I spoke again to Captain's predecessor, Iron Man, you know, we, he's very, he has been very... Um, uh, mindful of all the success that we're seeing from these from Nigerian, West African, Ugandan people in the Americas. I mean, you you have to pay attention. You can't discount what we're seeing. We're seeing public displays of excellence with a black face. Uh, you know, these young people they're getting into multiple colleges. They're getting engineering degrees. They're studying math and medicine. They, they are, in some ways, I mean, they, they, they're kind of outperforming the these the, the the prototypical Asian folk. Usually, the, the the Asian the Asian folk are are perceived to some to, to some uh, of their chagrin by being the model minority. Now we're seeing the African actually ha- start to show his and her face in a similar fashion, but it's not a Black American thing. But we're trying to ride a little bit of that. You know, when we see these successes, we look at these Black magazines, Black American magazines, and they are highlighting this is a black girl who, or a black boy or what have you that it, that's performing scholastically at a high level, but when you see their surname, it's not Johnson or Jackson or Williams. So uh, my, my issue really, and this is where, where I, when I spoke to, 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 um, to, to Iron Man, he said something, and we both came to the conclusion, black folks, just a, just a suggestion, we need to start emphasizing the African and African American. But I mean, I just I finally realized, like, okay, we call ourselves African American, but what does that really mean? Because we 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 do have this this kind of reticence with the term. Many folks say, "Well, I'm black. I'm not African American." I we we try not to have any connection to African to to the African and African Americans. But now, if we're going to be honest. The Africans are winning. You are African-American. Why are, why are you de-emphasizing the African and African-American? Why can't, why can't we – we can be – we have as much of a right to claim being African or, or being an African in America as anybody from Uganda or from Upper Volta or, or from wherever. So, I mean, it, we – listen. This Saturday, there's some gentlemen coming through who have their own comic book company, yet another West African brothers who, I, who, who came to me. So we've, 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 we've interviewed, we've had, we've had uh, friendships. Um, Roye Okupe, we saw, we gave that brother a pound. 
much love and respect when we saw him at, at the uh, Black Comic Book Festival. I mean, not everybody thinks this way. We, we, we have to make connections with people who are like-minded. We can't – it's very dangerous. See, my problem is I think I feel the way you did, Sergio, is that I understand what Yvette is saying, but she also had a little bit of that, they're not our tribe. Or we're, we're, we're so radically different, we, you know, we, don't, we don't have any connection to these people. But we, well, you know what? It might behoove you to make connections. And for the ones that are ignorant, because listen, I'm not making connection with the tribes, that Afri- the, the African-American tribes in the Americas. Every Negro is not your friend, whether they're from Upper Volta, from, from Senegal or whatever. Same thing if, they, if they're from, uh, from Compton versus uh, Queens. That's my feeling. But I hear what she said. I think, I think it has to be noted, though. What she said was very serious. Um, and in a related point, there was some controversy over an article that Andrew Sullivan wrote earlier this week. Um, Andrew Sullivan, the uh, the, no, uh, the conservative, the gay Republican. The gay, well, he's—I don't think he considers himself a Republican anymore, but he's the gay conservative. He right. appears a lot on um, the Bill Maher show. Right. Uh, anyway, he wrote an article. In, he was he was addressing that incident that happened to doctor on the United flight. And but then he goes into this whole thing. Here we go again. I've seen this over and over again, and you have too, bringing up that Asians are sort of the model minority, that he claims that in spite of the fact that they discovered they have endured discrimination and abuse, look how successful they are. Look how well they deport themselves. You know, they're not angry. They're not always screaming all the time for stuff. They just very quietly go about their business, you know, getting degrees and being very successful. Now, he doesn't mention black people, but you know that's what he's referring to. What if all people, you know, other people followed their example, right? You know, gosh almighty, you know, it just hate pieces, articles like that. First of all, what what Asians have experienced in this country is nothing compared to what we have experienced in this country, right? Did they suffered hundreds of years of of slavery and degradation? Were they like yes, they suffered the discrimination, but not at the level we have. Yeah, okay. The Japanese were interned and during the war in camps, you know, um, in camps during World War Two. The uh, Japanese, not the Japanese, I'm sorry, not the Chinese, not other Asian groups, right? And by the way, uh, those Japanese people um, who were interned, they got reparations. Okay, so the point is that you cannot compare one ethnic group to another and say, well, you people are all alike, you know, follow their example and You'll be you'll be a lot better, and you know we'll like you more. It, well, it, was, it was a dumb article, dumb, and well, I was not, surprised I'm, he wrote it because I liked Andrew Sullivan until now. I thought he was a lot sharper <laughs> than that. Well, well, let me tell you something, um, Sergio. I think this is what I think we need to be doing. I've been saying it before. Um, we need to be a, lo- a little bit more um, aware of what we need to be doing. The heavy lifting 
a thing that uh, the captain and myself talk about a lot. I think I think we're paying a little bit too much attention to the feelings and the opinions of white people in the modern era. I think we do have to get to the point where we just need to be doing things. I think we're a little a little too in our feelings. I'm not shocked that some some gay white dude is going to say something out of pocket. Just like I'm not shocked that when Bill Bill O'Reilly, if you remember uh when during the uh, DNC, when uh, Michelle Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, came out and said that, and she said something that all of us thought. Clearly, she made a historical anecdote about, wow, I have to think about being the, uh, an African-American First Lady where there were slaves who built the White House where I live in. That's a historical, that's a historical fact. She, she, was, uh, she had all rights, all rights all rights, pardon me, to talk about her culture, her historical uh, uh, significance. And Bill O'Reilly comes in and says some twisted stuff about, well, those slaves were treated better, they were treated better. I mean, he had, he had to add something to what she said. They really didn't make any sense, but he was uncomfortable with her recitation of history. So, uh, I'm at the point now, I really don't care. I don't give a damn about what some screwy white person thinks. What, I'm, what I care about now is I want us to deal with the heavy lifting because we're a little too much in our feelings and a little too uh, concerned about the thoughts and the comfort level of white people. Now, I've had people say, well, you talk about respectability politics. Well, my vision of respectability politics is not the same. As how some people put out respectability politics. I think, yes, black folks need to conduct themselves in a respectable manner. I'm on the Jackie Robinson train. I like Jackie Robinson. I like what he stood for. I like his presentation. Okay? I like Barack Obama's presentation. There's a lot of black I like clean, well-spoken black people. But, the, but for some reason, it gets twisted as if you like that because it's appealing to white people. If it happens to appeal to white people, whatever. But you don't, you, you don't, you shouldn't have to look a certain way or speak speak properly, uh, and and not want to do that because it's it's it'll make white people happy. It's it's absurd. Some of some of us are uh, are kind of practicing a type of self defeatism because we think that well I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get straight A's or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull pull my pants up because it's gonna make the white man happy. Are you insane? These these Nigerians these Nigerians. Are also going to get caught up in that respectability politics thing, as to how black people, black Americans are looking at it. But at the same time, the Nigerians are getting medical degrees. They are moving onward and upward. They're not caught up in their feelings. Now they didn't have that experience that we had, but we should be looking at them for something. I tell you right now, because they're black as hell, blacker than this. Than, and I don't mean that as a derogatory <laughs> way. No, and I'm, I'm, let, me, let me let me be honest. I'm saying that in the, in the sense that, not as derogatory, but for black people to say, well, it's because I'm black. Listen, this man is blacker than you. So, it, so if, it, I mean, if there's such a thing, I don't even believe in that. But if there's such a thing as someone being blacker than someone else, those people should be, should be offensive to white people. And yet, in spite of, their not being, in spite of that, they're, they're excelling. So you can't say it's because you're, you're phenotyp- phenotypically black. I'm a black person. I can't make it. Well, what do you? How do you expect? How do you explain the Nigerian fellow who's about five shades darker than you? 
How do you explain him? We gotta be. We have to be able to come up with something. We have to explain that they're not in their feelings. They're not in their feelings. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean I think, now I'm gonna keep you gentlemen on. We got about. Uh, I thought I thought you may want to get into Bill O'Reilly. Also, well, you brought to. him up. You may want to get into that later. That's what we're, we're going to do. And again, I'm going to play this. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to go to two things. One, Bill O'Reilly, and two, another example of what we just spoke about. Did you hear about this uh, young woman who graduated from some Michigan college, and uh, she wore on her graduation cap. It had some kind of reference to educated hope, and it went viral. She's a feminist. See, you, see that, you see how this works? She's a feminist who gra- who's graduating from a college who has a painting of a stripper on the top of her, of her graduation cap and, and uses the term an ed- an ed- a feminist educated hope, and it goes viral. I kid you not. Anyway. Let's talk about Bill O'Reilly, and then we'll get into it. Hold on. About two minutes of this, uh, this clip. Oh, Breaking news, guys, about Bill O'Reilly. Now, this is dramatic. Hold, hold. Let me give you a little bit of what happened earlier today to give you context for what appears to be happening later today. Mm. Uh, first of all, we got uh, reports out about a new sexual harassment uh, issue for uh, Bill O'Reilly. Law News writes, there's a new accuser in the woman, an African-American who worked as a clerical worker in 2008 at Fox News, claims Bill O'Reilly engaged in a pattern of harassment that lasted for months, including making animal noises at her. I'm not sure I want to know what, which animal. Uh, I don't know. What does the fox say? <laughs> Just just now I came up with that. Anyway, as you can tell. Uh, and he was apparently staring at her cleavage and calling her hot chocolate. Oh, oh you are, first of all, you are so old. I mean, not only are you a perv, <laughs> not only have you learned nothing from all the different sexual harassment lawsuits that Fox News and you have had to suffer. I mean, all the calls where you accidentally rubbed the falafel on the women and your phone sex, which was unsolicited and unrequited, <laughs> but you go and call an African-American woman hot chocolate? What century are you from? All right, anyway, uh, Lisa Bloom uh, representing uh, some of the women who are suing uh, Trump points out in this case, like Wendy Walsh, uh, the other person that Lisa Bloom is representing, she's the lawyer, like Wendy Walsh, the new O'Reilly accuser who I represent is not asking for money, just accountability. Watch this space, she says. Well, actually, we're watching the whole space. Then we go to New York Magazine. They're reporting three sources with knowledge of the discussions uh, between the Murdochs, both uh, the father, Rupert Murdoch, and the sons, James and Lachlan, uh, said that while no final decision has been made, the Murdochs are leaning towards announcing that O'Reilly will not return to the air. Damn! I'm not done yet, though. Hold! Hold! Okay, it's developing right now. Apparently, the two sons say he's got to go. Rupert Murdoch, the dad, who, of course, owns News Corp, is saying, ah, I'm not sure yet. I'm thinking of sticking by my man. One network insider said Fox executives are alarmed by the severity of the ad revenue decline 
It's worse than Glenn Beck, the insider said, referring to the advertiser revolt that helped derail Beck's Fox News career in 2011. Remember, Glenn Beck gone from Fox News because so many advertisers pulled out. I don't know if you know this, they're in the business business. This is not a nonprofit. So when they start losing money, oh boy, you're in a world of trouble. It doesn't matter how popular. If you don't remember, Glenn Beck actually had great ratings at 5 o'clock. He was gone anyway because the advertisers pulled out. But that's not the only financial issue at stake here for Fox News and News Corp. Another factor, New York Magazine explains, the Murdoch's pending $14 billion takeover of European pay TV provider Sky. On May 16th, the British media regulator Ofcom is set to judge whether the Murdoch's are, quote, fit and proper to own such a large media property. Removing O'Reilly could appease critics and help close the Sky deal. When you got a $14 billion deal on the line, then you begin to rethink your top-rated host. And then, right before we came on air live, Matt Drudge tweeting, O'Reilly has had a tremendous run. Very few in the business get to decide when and how things end. Media is most brutal of all industries. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Down goes O'Reilly. Down goes O'Reilly. Now. All right. All right. Uh, Jank Uger. (laughs) That was funny. It was pretty funny. Um, all right, I'll I, I just say this much. Right, let me just shout out Kugali Media. I made reference to some African brothers going to come through on Saturday. Uh, Kugali Media, they have their own African, African uh, podcast, African comic podcast, African uh, digital platform. So we're going to have them come through. And I must emphasize, I'm trying to, I am personally trying to hook up with the Nigerian Ugandan people and do the DNA testing so I can, so I can be just as arrogant as everybody else. Personally, that's me. I, I'm down with, this, with the, the, the scholarship crew. So the other black folks that are in, they're in their feelings, I'm not, about, I'm not about that. So I welcome the Kugali, cat, Kugali cats coming through on Saturday. That's just a personal aside. Anyway, um, Bill O'Reilly has left the building or he's leaving the building. We, we will see. Um, I, I'm curious to see if he will go somewhere else. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's kind of leaving an in infamy. Um, he's almost 70 years old, 67. Uh, it, it looks like he had no intentions of really leaving until the, until the wheels fell off. But now it looks like that decision is being made for him. Um, uh, Cap, and we'll go around the horn. Your feelings on this? I mean, what, what, what does this all mean? Well, well, essentially, you know, if, if you look at Fox News, they had problems at the top with the CEO. We know about that already. And I always Roger say, Allen. yes, I always say the the top is a reflection of the bottom. The bottom is a reflection of the top based on chaos theory. And keep in mind, you know, you might not necessarily know what the CEO is doing, but we do know in, in this case, you know, what the CEO does that also reflects your employees at the place of where you're working. So you had a lot of issues there. And it's not what so much he said that got him gone, you know. It's just like Montgomery, Alabama, 1955, you know. How'd you get off the back of the bus, black people, via Rosa Parks? How'd you get off? You hurt the company in the pocket. Once you start hurting the company in the pocket, you have to go. That's it. Nothing else. And my opinion, if they weren't so arrogant over there, when this information first came out, if they just would have suspended O'Reilly publicly, 
because you're dealing with the feminine observation, you're dealing with the women. I think it would have just blew over and it would have got a second chance easily. You know, we've seen this before. If you act quickly, you know, four months, sit him down for four months and then bring him back. Boom, everyone forgets about it. Oh, he's suspended, we got him. But their arrogance, let's just keep sticking them out there, sticking them out there. And it festers, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. Oh, we have to get this guy, we have to get this guy. Then, eh, there you go. Now, here's the other side of it. If he wants to continue, I don't know if he wants to continue, he might be able to make even more money by Glenn Beckin it, Young Turk in it, and setting up his own outfit. Outfit. I don't know if he wants to do that at this given point. I don't know. But he could. He could probably make at least two and a half times the money, maybe even three times the amount, doing his own thing. After everything blows over. Because I'm pretty sure he still has those fans. Wasn't his fans, you know? Wasn't his fans. It was that the advertisers. And that's how everything works. And black people, again, you need to listen to this and understand this. You want change. You hurt them in the pocket. That's how you got off the back of the bus. That's all I'm going to say. Back to you, Afrolun. Yeah, you know, you, you say something very important, Captain, because we saw this with um, uh, Imus. You know, Imus, we, we got to him. You know, not not necessarily me. I didn't really I didn't really take issue with Imus. Uh, I had a, I said that on air here, that with the nabby headed hoe remark to the to the Rutgers basketball team, female basketball team. I had said that. Well, you know, where was your, where was your, uh, prop, you know, where was your disgust with the hip hop community that have said far worse? You're not trying to get rid of them, the way you got rid of Imus, and then even that didn't really, didn't really take because uh, eventually he ended up at another outfit. I think he lost his gig at uh, at Fox or wherever he was, but he was able to kind of brush brush it off and get another multi million dollar deal. You know, so the, these guys, um, you know, when when he gets a golden parachute, he's probably going to come walk away at fifty or sixty million dollars, because he just signed this, renewed his contract. So uh, I don't know; these people really suffer the way you would want them to suffer. Uh, it's to me, it's 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 an empty win. It's an empty win, and and Captain, you you know, again, very uh, very on target. When you think that we can't discount his audience, you know his audience is like Howard Stern was able to leave uh, well, terrestrial radio and go somewhere. I mean, you, he might be able to take these millions of people and go somewhere else with it. I mean, that possibility—it's very much a possibility. Uh, not he necessarily. Still, he can still make money. Somewhere. Not necessarily. Not not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, you, I agree with you. Um, it, it's a kind of an empty win. Um, he did sign a new contract. They're still going to have to pay him out. His new contract was going to start in 2018. So they're still going to have to pay him his $20 million or whatever he was going to get, and probably more than that. Fox did not want him to do a final show because they're afraid of what he was going to say. You know, that's why you, he, he, he's gone. You know, they're not giving him a show to say goodbye. Another thing is Zank Eucharist, right? Uh, the Murdochs, as they're desperately trying to buy Sky TV in England. They tried before because of the phoning hack scandal. They got shot down. They're trying again, so they can't afford another 
uh, another scandal. Uh, also, Murdoch's sons hate O'Reilly. They despise O'Reilly. They wanted him gone for some time. A third reason a lot of people don't know is that he's not the ratings powerhouse that he used to be. He's been getting beat by Rachel Maddow in the ratings, especially during the last month. Um, she has really come along. And so the, he's vulnerable. And here's the other thing, too. Don't forget, the average Fox viewer is a 68-year-old white guy. 68-year-old is the average age of a Fox viewer. They're dying out, literally. Now, the Murdoch sons run Fox, and they can see the future. Okay, he made, you know, the station is doing well, but eventually they're not getting younger viewers. And, uh, and the audience they have is dying. So what are they going to do? They're going to have to do something to attract younger viewers. Um, in terms of going like Blaze, like Glenn Beck, that won't work because Blaze is a disaster. It's a financial disaster. They, they've already fired half the crew, half the people who work for Blaze. He's bleeding money. He's in the red. So, uh, and also, going on Internet, that kind of stuff, that's a, that's a young guy thing. Zent Uker, the Young Turks, they're doing phenomenally well. Older people, they don't know how a computer works. They're not going, they're not going to follow, um, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, O'Reilly, if he decides to, um, you know, uh, create an Internet network. I, I don't think it's going to happen. It didn't work for Beck. Um, you know, don't forget, uh, Russ Limbaugh tried television, and he tanked horribly. So, you know, he's got all his money. You know, he can do a nice retirement. He can still come out with those books that he claims to write but doesn't. So um, there you go. You know, he's going to live a very happy life just counting his money. Q, you have any thoughts on this, Bill O'Reilly leaving? Well, you know, um, I've always thought Bill O'Reilly was a psychopath ever since the whole Inside Edition will do it live debacle. Um, right. I thought he was a psychopath when he – <clears throat> when he tried to, when he started yelling at the son of a 9/11 victim, uh, who didn't have his same opinion, um, so it all, you know, it all comes around. Uh, and and I would say to you, I, I respect the fact that you have chosen your party, but I've got to tell you, they're showing you who they are, left and right. They're showing you who they are. Uh, so this doesn't surprise me. I am surprised that they got rid of him because he's a money maker. Uh, I, I got to give Murdoch some play. I don't know what, why, how he saw the spirit, but I am surprised at that. So, well, I mean, they I took got. a calculated risk. They know. Well, first of all, those advertisers, they didn't really lose them. They're just not advertising on O'Reilly's show. They're still advertising on other shows. So, in effect, they never really lost. But that's that typical. I mean, that's, from those you know, advertisers. That's, 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 that's typical. Like if, if a show comes on ABC. Advertisers don't pull all their ads off of ABC. They pull them off that particular show. Right. So, so, yeah. so, so I mean, they made a calculated list. Yes, I mean, I've seen comments. These guys are saying, "I'm going to boycott. Uh, I'm, I'm going to boycott um, um, uh, Fox News." Okay, let the ratings go down. By the way, uh, he's being replaced by Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson has been doing very well in the ratings. He's doing. He's getting better ratings than Megyn Kelly. 
was getting, right? So they think it's not that big of a risk. You know, if we move him up to eight, they figure he'll still do well. And then I don't know what they got coming on after him. I don't know. But um, but basically, if I to make a calculated list, we're going to lose some viewers, but in the long run, we'll still do okay. We'll probably eventually get them back because they got nowhere else to go. And also, uh, also, uh, uh, don't rem- uh, remember. Usually, when somebody leaves a network, usually under you know uh, against their will, uh, usually the network will have them sign a no competition clause, which means that they can't appear on another network or do anything for at least a year or two. That's what happened when Ann, when Ann Curry was forced off the Today Show. She had a. a clause in her contract that said that she could not do any work for any other network for at least two or three years. So you would be sure that Fox is going to do the same thing with Riley. I can see him going to satellite radio, though. But he he failed on radio. He tried radio before. He couldn't do it. Was it terrestrial or satellite? It was regular radio, but it doesn't matter. He just he just can't. Some people can do TV. He's good. Actually, he's good on TV. He was terrible at radio. Limbaugh's good at radio. He was terrible at TV. Hannity's good at both. You know, some people are good at TV. Some are good at radio. I, and but but he's not good on radio at all. My uh, my, only, he, my, he tanked. my only issue my only issue with what you're saying is there's a little bit of. Okay, uh, the future has it where it's about youth, and he's on his way out. I'm uncomfortable with that, only because this is what this is that we underestimated Donald Trump. I I'm never one to underestimate the 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 hatred of white males, and as far as youth is concerned, we have the alt right <laughs> in existence right now. I mean, is, I mean, listen, in the back of my mind, I always thought that Donald Trump could take this. Because I thought that at, at the core, and, and, and statistics had come out to say that, as if we didn't know this, that race was the predominant reason why Donald Trump is in office right now, as if we didn't know that. I mean, you could converse. And of course, because because Hillary ran a horrible. Can- I'm reading that no, book right no. now, Shattered. No, no, no I'm reading Shattered <laughs> right now. No, she, listen, it, me, believe me, it was it was she ran a bad campaign. Listen. I mean, anybody you, could a ham sandwich could have beat Trump. If if it, 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 it that 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 could make you feel comfortable, Serge, and we can respectfully disagree. But at the core of it, they were tired of seeing black folks in the damn Lincoln bedroom, White House, <laughs> all that. It was time to straighten that out. Get rid of these Negroes. I don't like them. That's what's going on. And I always felt that way. <laughs> I always felt when you, I mean. The, 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 the allusions to, to, to monkeys and bananas and, and all that wild stuff, all these uh, 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 fellow politicians, uh, nasty emails, talking disrespectfully about it. You know, when you, when you can say, when you have these, these, these uh, a mayor or whatever she was, I think it was a mayor in West Virginia, who, who her colleague can say, well, we get Melania's this beautiful first lady and we can get rid of this ape in heels. That's the core of what's going on. White people, there's a contingent of white people, not all, because they have white listeners, but there's a contingent of white people who don't like people of color. They don't like you. So I, I always, I always yeah, believe but, but, that. But okay, I know that, but that was, doesn't and, mean and, and, and But that's it, and not a guarantee. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Sergio. And if they was well, guaranteed now, I, I thought it was guaranteed. You could no, always, no, no, no. What I'm talking about, no. 
No, I have, I'm finished. What, what I meant is that's not a guarantee that they're going to follow um, Bill O'Reilly no matter where he goes. Okay, let me, let me finish. You also fail to re- recognize that in this particular time in media, we have a balkanized media where this is, this is an a la carte media, meaning that uh, there's going to be a certain segment of people that are going to go to Bill O'Reilly to do whatever he, whatever he does. It's not the same way you can survive. How do you explain a thousand cable channels? Because it's balkanized. He can carve out a niche for himself and, and thrive and survive and make more money because of the nature of media right now. This is not 1975 with three channels. You got a thousand channels. You got, you got satellite. You got YouTube. Everybody's got something going on. Everybody. The, 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 the Young Turks are, are, are known, but they're not on major, t- major TV. They don't have no, to be. But, 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 no, but they, get, they have – you can look up the facts. They have a bigger audience than Fox, MSNBC, and CNN combined, a bigger audience. And yet I, Glenn Beck is struggling. He is dying. He's not going to make it to the end of the year. He's bleeding. No, I mean, like I told you, he's based in Dallas. They fired half their, the entire staff. They're, he's losing money. I'm not, I'm not going to underestimate those holy rollers. The, that holy roller crew are the ones that are on <clears throat> onto Glenn Beck. I hear what you're saying, but I also know that some of that thinking was what happened where we, many of us, misjudged the idea that the man that's in the White House now that's clearly above his head is in the White House right now. Because we thought that, oh, yeah, people of color got it going on. This is a new era. Uh, you know, the, the, the day of the white races is gone. Nope. He was just hiding under that, that, that white, white robe. Hey, D-Bert, and, and, and just, to, just to bolster your point, look at look what happened in the 6th District in um, Atlanta. Uh, exactly. John Offer, everyone was thinking, okay. We're still going to go to a runoff, but I'm, I don't have a lot of hope in that. Hell, uh, I would hope. One hope minute, one minute, Afflez. I hope that we're going we're gonna to close shop, revisit this on, on Saturday. I would hope that Donald Trump doesn't get a second term. I can't make any guarantees on that. I'm thinking he's going to be four years. I can't guarantee that, though, because well, you know, my for theory every reaction, is, my, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Well, Every my theory is, yeah. my theory is that he's not going to make it four years because I'm going to be blunt <laughs> okay. with you, he in such bad shape physically, I can't imagine how he's going to last four years. That guy is obese, way overweight, um, no exercise, eats fast food. Every time I see him, I see a stroke or a heart attack thirty seconds away. He, he might kill over after the eighth year. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> Saturday, ESPN, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, Crossword Puzzle, Classic Groove. Saturday, folks, as always, gentlemen, we appreciate the support. See you on Saturday. Pain. Pain. Cause you have a late name.